Oh, girls, you want to see frugal? Let me show you frugal. <laughs> okay. Let me show you. Let me show you my setup. Okay. Yes. 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 This is my desk. Can you see? <laughs> Can you see my cups on my yes. coffee table? Hey everyone, welcome to Frugalicious. I'm Jessica and I'm a teacher with many, many students and kids, but no children of my own. And I'm here with my sister, Beth. Hi everyone, I'm Beth. I'm an English teacher living in Guatemala, casual blogger, and also no children of my own. But I but... am a fan of moms and children. <laughs> and today we have an extra special guest to talk about how to make your life frugal and fabulous. Don't chase somebody. Nope. The money chase you. That's right. Cause you're the boss now. Tell the daughters what to do. It's frugal, it's just. Yeah, it's a movement. We'll find the discounts. Ha. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, we can do this. All right, guys. So, like Beth said, we have a really exciting podcast for you today. We have our friend Rebecca here. I don't know how long we've known her, but it's been since we were children. So, and she is the mom of quadruplets. Who better to talk about, you know, living frugal with a big family. So hi, Rebecca. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is so fun. Oh, this is so fun. Yeah, Thanks so I much for being <laughs> Oh, it's so great. We are thinking about podcast ideas and we were kind of like thinking big. We're like, who could we get to come on the show? And we're like, oh my gosh, if we could get Rebecca Isham, that would be like <laughs> amazing. It'd be so great. You're like the closest thing to a celebrity that yeah. I know because you yeah. have quite a following and quite amazing ideas on saving money for your family. So yeah. we're pumped to have you on the show today. That's right. And our grandma is a big fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Is she? <laughs> yeah, she really is. She like followed all your updates religiously. So um, she's going to be pretty stoked to hear. Oh, that. that's, that's really go. sweet. So hi, hi, grandma. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So to start out, Rebecca, we have our fast five questions. Are you ready? Just answer first thing that comes to your head. Okay. It's just okay. a warm up before the interview. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, good with the warm up. Okay. What is your most used emoji? Um, there's this little emoji where like his eyes are bugging out and he's just like, looks like kind of surprised. Oh yeah. And I use yes. that one like in every conversation, just like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just kind of, I have a fail forward policy on life, which is just, <laughs> just do it and I hope it all turns out okay in the end. Yeah. Amazing. That pretty much depicts my life. Perfect. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite tradition or holiday? I love Thanksgiving, and I think I love Thanksgiving because it's a non-commercialized holiday, really, for the most part, and it's all about family and faith and food and fun, and Mm -hmm. um, it's also my favorite season, so I get to wear my boots and cardigans to Thanksgiving dinner, and it's like, that's when, that's, it's just a wonderful holiday for me. All the good things. Yes. It's it's our mom's favorite holiday, too. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea, hundred percent tea. I tried so hard to love coffee because I felt like it was a requirement as a quad mom. Like, <laughs> must, must love coffee, and I just, you know, I've worked in coffee shops when I was in college, and yeah. I love the smell of coffee and I love the idea of coffee. But last year, I decided, you know what? I don't really like coffee. I love tea, though. I love chai tea and black tea and herbal tea and all the teas. Yeah. And so, give me tea any day of the week, and I'll drink it. But coffee. Not so much. Okay. Are you a traveler or a homebody? Oh gosh. I love, 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 love traveling. But 
I get really stressed when I'm trying to pack to leave to travel because I'm a lot of times I'm leaving my kids at home because I'm traveling for work and stuff like that. So for me, it's like, I love traveling once I get there and it's, it's so much fun for me, but it's just the act of like actually getting there and getting my kids all ready to go, whether they're going with or staying home. It's just a lot of work because it's a big family. Yes. Yeah. Last question. Um, pick this special for you because it seems like probably a dream maybe. Uh, If you could have someone follow you around all the time, like a personal assistant, what would you have them do? What would I have? Collie, let's see. (laughs) What do you have them not do? That's the question. I should should have made a list. Um, You know, I've always said that I would love someone to just like cook for me (laughs) because I don't like cooking and that's not really a personal assistant thing. Um, but your personal um, assistant, they'll do anything you ask. Yeah, I guess ma- just make sure I keep following all my post-it notes. I'm a post-it note person. <laughs> and if it's not written on my post-it note, it won't get done. So maybe someone would just continually hand me my post-it note, remind me like to stay on track. I don't okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your fast five with us. Amazing. So we have a ton of questions that we want to ask mm-hmm. Rebecca today. And so we're just going to dive in and go through them. And, um, our first question could be a big one, but uh, you can give us the shorter version of just tell us about your family and your journey into motherhood, because I don't know about you, but I have not met a lot of quad moms, really just one. So, I mean, now you know lots, but it's not a normal thing for people to have quads. So tell us more about that. It is kind of a unique way to have a family for sure. Um, it's not, I've had people ask me like, were you trying to have quads? And it's like, no, nobody like sets out to go have quads. And I'm not even sure how you would really intentionally do that. I mean, I guess there are ways if you really wanted to, but um, you know, for us, it was uh, a matter of, we were dealing with infertility um, and we wanted to have a baby. We wanted to start a family and you know, I took a medication and suddenly I was pregnant with four babies and, you know, you just kind of get handed that and you just kind of roll with it. So, um, we, we just decided, you know, we were going to do the best we could with what God had given us, uh, despite the, the stats that go with that. There are some scary statistics and, um, some doctors made some recommendations that we reduce. Um, but we, we chose if, to go ahead and, and keep the babies. Um, we felt that if God gave us the babies, then we would keep rolling with that until, um, until or if he should decide to take them home. So we kept our babies. Um, we have boy, girl, boy, girl quadruplets. They were born in 2011. Um, it was probably an easier pregnancy for a quad pregnancy, but it was certainly not easy in terms of compared to like all the normal singleton pregnancies out there. Um, I was on bed rest for a month in the hospital. Um, I was given like 30 minute wheelchair rides once a day. The rest of the time I had to be in bed, just trying to keep contractions at bay. Um, I went into labor at 23 weeks, six days, which is too early. That's just too early. Um, And the, the NICU doctors came in and said, you cannot have these babies today. You cannot have them when they first admitted me. So we made it to 27 weeks, six days. And then I Gave birth in an emergency C-section. It was quite exciting. And if you want all the fun details of that, I've actually written um, quite a bit about that on my blog, which is a abeautifulruckus.com. So if people want to go back and read that birth story, they certainly can. Um, you'd have to go back Good to the story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting to read back, but it's, you know, I, I don't want to ever have another set of quadruplets. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like I've done my time. So, yeah. um, so we did three months in the NICU. The last one came home on my original due date and it just kind of has been a marathon ever since then. Um, we have some special needs at our house. Um, I have two kids on IEPs. I have one kid on a 504. Um, everybody has different things that they struggle with, um, ranging from autism to social emotional delays, sensory processing disorder, um, high anxiety. Like there's just, kind of, we just kind of have a, a big range of things that we deal with um, in our family. And so as a mom, it's just kind of been um, not really what I envisioned motherhood would look like for me when I thought, hey, let's have a baby. Um, but we love our kids and um, we're grateful to have them. It just has been a little bit stressful at times. And surprise, surprise, this year we found out that we are due with baby girl, <laughs> number five, who, who would have thought? Um, just kind of that caught us off guard, but she's due in September. And so when she gets here, our quadruplets will be eight and a half and then we will have a newborn. So that is wow. quite, the, quite the different kind of a family than most people. Totally. But just one this time. So that's just, you know. just one. And I've asked my midwife every time I go in, I'm like, could you just double check? <laughs> make <Count> sure <laughs> there's no second heartbeat, like just make sure. And she keeps laughing and saying there's only one. So if an extra one comes out, I don't even know what I'll do. <laughs> oh, that's great. Cool. So that was, so having four kids at once, like that would change the financial landscape of your family pretty quickly. What, what did that do? Yeah. What did that do? What was the, yeah. So boy, that kind of blew all of our best laid plans out of the water, finding out that I was expecting quadruplets. I, at the time when we um, found out we were expecting quadruplets, I worked full time in an insurance agency, um, writing and ser uh, servicing policies for an insurance agent. Um, but I had to quit that job <laughs> because financially, I wasn't making enough to cover daycare for four kids. We would have actually been paying more in daycare than I was bringing home working in the insurance agency. And so I had to quit that. I quit that at 20 weeks. And then I was home for a month before I went into labor and was hospitalized. Mm -hmm. um, so we lost a third of our household income by having me quit. So we were down to just my husband's income, which was two thirds of our household income. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we had to do that. Um, financially, it just would have crippled us to have me keep working, but also medically, my kids had so many needs and so many specialist visits and so many therapy services that first couple of years. Mm -hmm. There just was absolutely no way um, for me to have worked and also take care of the kids. So that um, it kind of resulted in uh, some different things. We went on WIC. We're very grateful for WIC. Um, our formula costs were $1,200 a month. To feed the kids and without WIC we would have probably lost our house. Um, so we were very grateful for WIC and it really was a humbling experience for me and I have um, a lot of empathy and grace now for, for families that have to pursue that kind of help um, and so grateful that that's an option for families um, who need the help. And then um, my husband took over, well he was already doing our finances, but he, I, I stopped looking at our finances because it was um, so stressful <laughs> to um, have special needs quadruplets and the medical bills that went with that mm. and two thirds of the income that my husband just took over the, the money aspect. And I stopped looking at it because I could not handle how extremely tight it was for mm. us in those days. And I still don't know how my husband managed to do it, but he kept us fed and in a house and um, just truly, I, he's an amazing man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so crazy. I just feel like stressed, like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that seems like, like $1,200 a month for formula. That feels like, that's good. That's like a house payment or like a. Yeah, yeah it was more than our house payment. Formula yeah. costs for more than our house payment. And wow. it just, it just, it, gosh, like, I'm so grateful that there are options out there for, for families that need that emergency help. Cause we certainly didn't plan on quads, but we, we needed the help. So we were, we were grateful for it. Absolutely. So oh, they're not crazy. eating formula anymore. They're yes. eating no. like real food. food. Um, so, but that's a lot of mouths to feed. So what are your tips for feeding a large family? Yeah. So I swear my boys have hollow legs. Um, <laughs> they eat more than my husband does at this point, And it's, they've almost turned it into a game. Like, can we eat more than daddy? Oh my God. <laughs> I, even had, <laughs> I had the conversation with them tonight over dinner. I said, the goal is not to eat more than your dad. The goal is to eat until you're full. So if we could just try to focus on that, but of course, they're eight. And so they like, they're like, Oh, watch me eat more than dad, you know? Um, and I, they, they are going through a growth spurt. So I, there's a reason they're eating so much, but, um, a few of my tips, um, some of the stuff that we do to feed our family, um, we have a Costco membership. Mm -hmm. Um, so we bulk buy, um, we go a couple times a month. They're big shopping trips. <laughs> <laughs> food, food is our biggest expense. Hands down. Food is our biggest expense. Um, so Costco is really great. Um, we try to eat in season. Um, my kids love certain types of fruits and vegetables, but they just know that if it's not an in-season fruit or vegetable, then we're going to have to wait for it to come back in season before we buy it again. Mm -hmm. So um, the kids are just used to that. So we love summer because we can easily get our hands on watermelon and peaches and strawberries. And they'll ask for that during the winter. And I'm like, guys, it's apple season. Like yeah. we're apples right now. Apple. Okay. <laughs> You know, so, um, you know, they're used to that, but we try to eat in season. Um, we've also, um, we have friends who own a farm and so we've bought part of a cow before and had that process so we could stock our freezer, um, with ground beef and, and we've had some steaks before, but honestly, family our size is ground beef all day. You know, we eat a lot of ground beef. Um, another tip, we bulk up our meals a lot with black beans and eggs. So I grew up in where you guys did, which is in Southern New Mexico, taco country, right? Yes. The way, the way I grew up, you make your tacos with ground beef or chicken. Well, the way I make them here now, I live in Kansas City now, the way I make it for my kids is I make it with a pound of ground beef, two cans of black beans, and a can of corn. Yes. So I've started incorporating beans into a lot of our meals um, just to try to kind of stretch our, our meat a little further. We'll do like um, baked potatoes with beans on top instead of ground beef and things like that. So um, that breakfast for dinner is really cheap. So eggs are so great. And then um, we pack lunch for our kids for school. We don't do school lunches. They're too expensive. Right. Um, so we pack lunches. And if we do eat out as a family, then we look for kids eat free or kids eat cheap restaurants. Yeah. And you can Google for those online. Um, we've got a great um, online source here in Kansas City that keeps track of that. So it's not necessarily about where we want to eat as much as it's like, if we want to eat out, let's try to aim for a kids eat free or kids eat cheap place. Right. Do you remember Tegmeyer's, Rebecca? Oh. I love Tegmeyer's. I, I was talking about this with my parents like last month. I was like, I really miss Tegmeyer's. Yeah. Well, we used to go there all the time because it was for every adult, a kid ate free or half off or something. Yeah. And like, so we would go, but we would bring Mr. Anderson. That's who would always come with us. But like, we'd like oh, yeah. invite other adults. Like, hey, we like have more kids that need to eat free. So come join yeah, us. But, Monday night at Tegmeyer's. Mm -hmm. Monday night yes, at Tegmeyer's. Yeah. Yes. 
So and we, it's we, buffet, so you stock up. It's exactly. Great. Well, we figured that out with some of the restaurants here in Kansas City too. Like you get a kid's meal free for every adult meal. So what we'll do is we'll order three adult meals and we'll get three kids meals for free. And there's six of us. And then we take the extra portion on the on one of the adult meals and split it between our two boys so that they're getting like a kid's meal plus an extra chicken finger. And then our girls eat the regular size kids meals. And then Sean and I, um, my husband and I eat the adult meal. So we'll do three adult meals and three kids meals. That is so smart. Oh, Oh, I sit there. Y'all, I get those. um, (laughs) I get those, uh, the restaurant menus. I take them home that have the, like the options and the prices in them. And I sit down and I figure out like how much everything is, what the options are. And then I have my family decide before we get to the restaurant, what we're going to have. And I write it down. And then when I, when I go to order, I know who's getting what and how to structure it so that we save the most amount of money possible. If we're eating out, obviously eating at home is cheaper, but if you're going to eat out, there's a strategy to it. You got to plan ahead. Oh, that's so smart. And then you don't have kids being like, I think I want this thing. You're like, oh, I know what you're getting. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. A week ago when we figured out the prices. <laughs> it's already been negotiated by the time we get there. <laughs> oh, that is so smart. Um, okay. So obviously food is a huge expense. What about buying clothes? What frugal tips do you have for clothing your children? So clothing them is another one of those big expense tickets for us. My kids are the same size. So (laughs) I don't have like an older son who I can pass stuff down to a younger son. Like that, that's not a thing in our house. They wear the same size clothes. So for us, um, we have to buy new wardrobes for four children two times a year. And that's, that's very expensive. Um, so one of my favorite things that I have done is kit consignment sales. Um, a lot of people will do thrift store shopping. I prefer consignment sale shopping because I feel like the clothes are a little higher quality, mm-hmm. but you really have to know your prices going in. So, and, and know your brands. So you don't want to let me back up. So if Walmart charges a certain dollar amount for a t-shirt, then you want to know what brand that is and how much they generally charge before you go to the consignment sale. Because consignment sales, they tend to set their own prices, the sellers do. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're buying good quality brands and you're not overpaying for a used shirt, like say from Target or Walmart. There's nothing wrong with those places because we certainly do wear a lot of like Target clothes at our house. But you want to make sure that you're actually saving money and not paying full dollar at a consignment sale for the used version of that. So we've we've done a lot of, lot of, lot of consignment sale shopping. Um, I also have... One of my friends has boys who are just a little bit younger than my boys. And so I have passed my boys' clothes on to her over the last few years. Mm -hmm. When she found out we're expecting a little girl, her youngest is a little girl. And since they're done having kids, she's been funneling all of her little girl stuff back to me for the last three or four months. So it's, it's been amazing. Like I've been able to help her out. She's not helping me out. So finding a friend who you can kind of close swap with will actually save you even more money than a consignment sale. Um, I'm like so grateful for her and her help with that. And we, and when our kids were little, we had a lot of people give us their, um, used clothes as well, which was so, um, so, so needed because money was so tight. And then I also, when I shop, um, if I'm going to shop new, I shop on holidays. Mm. So, um, Labor Day, Memorial Day, um, uh, 4th of July, those kind of things tend to have sales associated with them in some of the kids places. Mm -hmm. Um, I, one day I hit the Columbus Day sale at an online kid's 
you know, store. And so I've been able to save a lot of money by aiming for those holidays and just like knowing what I want to buy. And then on that holiday going in and, and picking up what I want if I'm going to buy new. Yeah. It sounds like you do a lot of pre-planning. I do. Um, I do a ton of pre-planning. I'm a researcher at heart. So I research everything, like not just clothes. I research literally everything. And so it gives me um, a chance to kind of get a strategy in place. So I'm not necessarily impulse buying as much. I know what we need and I know what my strategy is. On the flip side though, being the kind of researcher I am, it can actually hold me back and it takes longer to make a decision. So there's kind of a fine balance between my kids need jeans and my kids really need jeans now because all of their jeans have holes and I took too long to make a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what advice would you give families just starting out being married to then starting a family and having the kids? So for families just starting out, um, I think it's important to remember that there's a huge difference between wants and needs in life. Um, and I was even, um, talking about this with my daughter at dinner because I had mentioned to, to the kids, I was like, yeah, um, you know, some friends of mine are gonna, we're going to talk about being frugal tonight. So what are your best money saving ideas? And she was like, well, you don't need all this stuff. There's a difference between wants and needs. And that's my eight year old. And so I think, um, I think your kids pick up on how you perceive life and how you approach things. And so she's already figured out that there is a difference between wants and needs. So for a new family that's starting out, I think it's important to remember that the baby game is a money-making thing. <laughs> so there's lots of, lots of products on the market um, and they're wonderful. Um, and so many of them can make life so much easier. But at the end of the day, what you truly need is not that much, um, all, even though the wants can actually you know, be really nice to have on hand. So I think that's important. I think be willing to, to use used instead of new all the time. Mm-hmm. I love used. I love used because I know someone else has paid for the packaging on that product. Mm-hmm. So someone else paid for the packaging and now I get to buy it for pennies on the dollar. Um, and it's in like new condition or very good used condition. And so I, I love consignment sales shopping. I love getting used things um, from friends and off social media and things like that because I don't want to pay just for the packaging on a product. I don't, I don't think that makes right. sense. So families are just starting out, be okay with used as opposed to new. Um, and then another tip that I read, um, I actually read this tip when I was, shoot, I was probably uh, in middle school or high school, is always say yes when someone offers you something. Never say no. Always say yes. Because even if you don't need that particular thing today, they may have something next week that you could actually really use. So I say yes to everything. And if I can't necessarily use it um, myself, well, I try to find a way to use it. And if I can't necessarily use it, then I try to move that on to someone who can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the say yes, instead of picking and choosing as people are offering you things, I think it just opens up a lot more for families who are looking to save some money. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh. a great rule. I love that. Yeah. Good ideas. Oh, so awesome. This is great. Taking notes. Um, okay, so I know, I think I know one of the answers to this one, but what are some things that you intentionally splurge on? Like you're not trying to save money, but you're like, this is definitely a splurge. What are some of those things in your house? Okay, well, I'm gonna have to give you two things, um, and they're kind of opposites, <laughs> but let me explain. Okay. okay, so the first one is ice cream. Yes. We, we love our ice cream and I, I buy a lot of generic labels um, because a lot of times they're packaged in the same plant as the name brand labels. So I buy a lot of generics. 
um, when I'm when I'm food shopping. But ice cream is one that we don't buy generics on. And I bought I brought home a generic ice cream brand the first week we were married, eleven years ago. And my husband was like, "Don't ever do this to me again." He was like, "In our house, we eat the good stuff." I was like, "Oh, okay." So I've gotten to the point now where like I'm totally spoiled about my ice cream. Um, so we we really like like bluebell ice cream, which is a premium kind of more of an expensive ice cream brand. Yes. So we love it though. We love it. And and honestly, um, we end up saving money even buying the more expensive ice cream brand because let me tell you what, six people going out for ice cream, that is not cheap. Oh yeah. So we can get, uh, you know, two or three rounds of ice cream out of one tub of Bluebell. And so for us, if we have the good ice cream at home, we're going to eat at, eat at home there's a better chance of us doing that than going out. Right. So it, it is a splurge, but it's also a savings. So it depends upon how you look at it. Um, but we don't buy generic ice cream because it's just not as good. Just <laughs> True. And the other one, the other one, which this kind of sounds opposite, um, is, is our healthcare and our personal care products. We don't cut corners on that. So we love our ice cream because we love to occasionally indulge and have that. But on the healthcare and the personal care side, um, we use a lot of really high quality supplements. We use a lot of really high quality essential oils, um, our soap, our shampoo, our toothpaste, our cleaners, our makeup. All of that we buy really high quality. We buy it through Young Living. I work full time with Young Living. Um, and we have found that um, we actually do save money on that as well in the long run. Because when you lower your toxic load and um, you make better health choices, then you don't have to pay for the medical care mm -hmm. and things that go with overloading your body with chemical, harsh chemicals and things like that. Everything, you have to look at it and say, you know, is the money I'm going to spend today going to save me money in the long run? And for so many things, that's the case. And I think sometimes people get caught up in just this narrow um, you know, is it going to save me money today? And the yeah. truth is that if you look long-term, it saves you a ton of money long-term to just take care of things now. Yeah. So we don't, we don't pinch pennies when it comes to our supplements, our essential oils, our personal care products, because we know that in the long run, we're actually saving a lot of money by just making sure that we're taking care of our bodies well now. Totally. Yeah. Do you, I'm going to circle back maybe a little bit to the food. Do you guys try and do like organic or things like that? Or is this just the, yeah. Organic is really expensive, especially yeah. when you have a really big family like yeah. we do. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, I wish I could say that we do all organics at our house and I can't say that. Yeah. Um, you know, we just, our food budget is so huge already. Um, eventually our goal is to go all organic. That would be most amazing and we'd love that. Um, kind of a, a step towards that is to go with as little processed foods as possible and, and use okay. more whole foods. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, things like, you know, not buying the the microwavable um, tacos, but making your tacos at home. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's ways to make better choices as you work towards an all organic lifestyle. And we're not there yet, but it's certainly something that we're actively working towards financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Biggest, most helpful money saving tips when it comes to having multiples. Wow. Okay. Well, when we got pregnant, you know, you have all this baby gear that everybody collects for their kids. Mm -hmm. And first of all, we didn't have the space for that, but we learned that you don't need four of everything for, for children. And so we would set up like a rotation in our living room. So we would have like one extra saucer, one swing, one play gym mat, 
thingy. Yeah. And we just rotate the babies through those <laughs> so that they all had time on each of those fun, you know, entertaining, um, yes. stimulating activities, but we didn't have four extra saucers and four swings. Yes. So, um, you know, the, the idea that you need four of everything for all your kids, it's okay to teach your kids how to share. <laughs> and our kids have had to learn how to do that. Yeah. We just share. We sometimes we can't have four of everything. And so we share. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's good. I'm imagining yes. like circuit training for little babies. That's what I'm picturing. That's, <laughs> like, that's about know, right. Oh, in your living room. <laughs> that's about right. Your visual is just about spot on. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, okay. So we recently did a series on the podcast about side hustles and about people working from home. And so I know that you work full-time from home. And so I just love for you to share some of your tips and your experience of working at home with kids. So, yes. Yeah, so I do work at home. I work at home full-time. I make a full-time income with Young Living. And um, that was kind of accidental. <laughs> you know, when you find your passion, then you talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, that just, it naturally came out of that. I love getting to work with um, women and families and teach them how to clean up their homes and save money in the process um, by just taking care of their bodies and things like that. So it, I love it. It's totally, um, totally a wonderful business for me to be able to do from my living room. I work from a, the coffee table in my living room. I don't even have an office. I work from the coffee table in my living room. Um, but it's great. I'm in, I'm in, you know, the main family area and my kids do make it a little difficult sometimes to work. <laughs> so I try to aim to work while they're at school and then after they go to bed. So, um, you know, right now while we're recording this podcast, I had to schedule it for after my kids went to bed so that we would be able to hear Well, so I could hear you and you, and you could only hear me. Um, so, you know, we try to work while they're asleep or gone. Um, but my kids also know that like mom is working and she's working so you guys can have fun things so that we can go to kids eat free night at the sandwich place on Monday. You know, like, so my kids, my kids realize that, that there's, that my ability to work is tied to some of the fun things that they do. Um, and that's nice because they're eight now. So they do understand that. Um, have a baby coming. So I'm having, <laughs> I know, I'm so surprised. Um, so I'm having to kind of rework what this looks like in order to be able to work from home and, and do this with an infant and then with a crawler and then with a toddler. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm still in the process of figuring out how that looks. When I started with Young Living, my kids were not quite three. So I had two-year-old quadruplets who had special needs when I started doing Young Living. And so um, when people are like, well, I, I could never work from home. My kids are too difficult. I'm like, well, I had two-year-old quadruplets with special needs and, and I learned how to do it. So I think <laughs> as a mom, I think you just learn how to kind of adapt to whatever your situation is. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I look at other moms um, out there and whether you have a singleton or you have twins or you have quadruplets or you have special needs or you have a normally developing child, like we all have our own challenges that we have to deal with, mm -hmm. all of us. And none of us is exempt from having challenges in life. And so for something like working from home, you learn how to adapt to that. You try different things until you figure out exactly how it works. So at our house right now with eight-year-old quadruplets, we do limit TV and tablet time. I don't love them being on media all the time. I don't think it's healthy. We do let them have it a little bit, but we try to keep it limited. We really try to develop a love of reading in our kids. Mm -hmm. And so we've noticed even more lately that when they get bored, 
bored, you know, because we have nothing else to do at our house. Um, I said, fantastically, um, you know, we'll, we'll find them with a book or something like that. But they've got Legos. Um, they've got a place in the backyard. And if they get super bored, my husband looks at them and says, I'll find something for you to do. We'll go find a dust cloth and start dusting the baseboards, you know. So, they, you know, I, we just remind them our job is not to entertain you. Like we didn't, I didn't give birth to you in order to entertain you for the rest of your life. Um, so yeah, this is how I parent guys. Great. <laughs> and, uh, and so they just, they realize that like they're part of our family unit, but at the same time, like the unit does not revolve around them and we all have to be willing to give a little to make it all work. So whether that's me working or them playing or taking time out to go do stuff as a family, we just kind of work through it like that. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's oh, great. Kind of works. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah, Super that's helpful. Um, okay, so Rebecca, I'm coming from a place where I was living in Canada recently, and Canada is quite amazing when it comes to families and pregnancy and healthcare for people because they're really all about like upping the population. I don't know if you knew this, but there are more people in the state of California than in all of Canada. So if you can imagine oh, really? that. Yeah, it's really I had small. no idea. Country. Yeah, the population is not very big. So they're really into like supporting families. So for example, if a woman is pregnant, all of her medical care is covered by the provincial health care, and then they get a year paid mat leave like required every single job. Are you and, serious? Yeah, and then you get a monthly tax credit from the government for based on the amount of kids that you have. So when I think about having kids in Canada, I'm like, oh, it seems like super easy. But then I hear like the horror stories of the United States and having kids there. So can you tell us a little bit about, because I know we have a lot of American listeners. Can you tell us just about like navigating kind of like the hacks for pregnancy and like delivery and medical costs for kids in the States? Because that's something that's totally foreign to me. Well, I think my new strategy is move to Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It takes That's a while to get your right. citizenship. Might not be worth it, but you know. Okay, okay. I can't do that by September, huh? Mm, probably uh, not. All right. Well, um, gosh, you know, pregnancy is really hard, <laughs> and and financially, it's it's really difficult. Our our kids were um, very very expensive. Our quadruplets were very expensive. <laughs> um, I looked at the final bill after um, it all was said and done, and it was five million dollars between. <laughs> between wow. my care and the baby's oh, care. My gosh. That was, that was what was billed to insurance. So I should say yeah. that's what was billed to insurance. We did not get a bill for $5 million, but yeah. um, I mean that like, that's what these high risk NICU families are facing is like yeah. these huge bills. And the year that we had the kids, we had actually really good insurance. Um, I don't remember what our deductible and co-insurance was. I know it was a lot, especially losing my income. My husband took care of that to take the stress off of me, but I have been doing all of the financial stuff for the medical part of bringing home this new baby this year. And honestly, I'm just it's very expensive. <laughs> it's just very, very expensive. And we have a high deductible plan because we, well, we like, we never get sick anymore because we take care of our bodies and we do so much on the healthcare side with our supplements and oils and stuff like that. So we just never need to go to the doctor. So we had a really high deductible this year and um, it just kind of has blown me away how much it actually costs to have a baby in the U S these days. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of Googling. Here's my researching again, um, to just see, is there any way to save? Is there any way to do stuff? And there's just not a lot of wiggle room for, for families in the U S that want to have a baby. And you're just, you're kind of stuck, honestly, is, is what I've 
what I found is if there was a way to save money on the medical bills, like I would have found it at this point because I've, I've looked for hours. The best, the best I have found is first take really good care of yourself. Make sure you've got good nutrition, good supplements, hit your chiropractor up, things like that. You know, take good care of yourself so you don't have to continually go into your OB's office because they charge for each of those visits. In the U.S., you have like a global delivery fee is what they've gone to for most practices where you just get billed this global fee for your prenatal and the delivery, which doesn't include your actual stay at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you go in extra to see your OB, they charge you for each of those visits. So if you're taking really good care of yourself ahead of time, um, you can reduce those visits. This is at least how it works at the office that I, that I go to and the way that works with our insurance. So taking really good care of yourself, reducing the number of times you have to go in outside of your normal prenatal visits. And then the other thing that you could potentially look at is either trying to get a self-pay discount with the hospital for the delivery room where you uh, let them know you'll be paying cash ahead of time for that delivery room and, and trying to negotiate a discount. You can try that. You can also wait till you get your bill and then contact your hospital and see if there's any way that you can pay it off in full and get a discount on that. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. Um, We did have a hospital bill last year for someone in our family. We were traveling and and, um, there was a a medical emergency. We had to stop off in in an emergency room in Houston, Texas, and I got the bill a couple weeks ago and I was able to pay that in full. Um, and get a 25% discount on that, um, which was nice. It was helpful, but it required some phone calls and some time on the phone. So there, there are ways to reduce your, your bill, your hospital bill, at least for an ER visit. But at the same time, I, I don't know how well that works with maternity because I haven't ever tried to negotiate a paid in full discount with maternity. So Okay. And one more question, like doctor versus midwife, is there a bit of a cost difference there? You know, I, I don't know. And this is, there's a lot of background to why I chose a midwife for this particular pregnancy. I had, um, I had high risk doctors for my quadruplet pregnancy. I actually had a full practice that were following us because they're so rare and um, a difficult, difficult pregnancy type to, to follow and treat. Um, but I, my midwife um, has just been, I've known her for like eight or nine years. And so for me, there really wasn't a question whether or not I would go with her or someone else. I, I have a midwife and then I actually paid for a doula as well. So this was something that I opted to pay extra for. I found a doula, you know, on my own, but they've shown, studies have shown that having a doula as part of your delivery reduces your chances of C-sections by like 30%. Mm -hmm. And midwives in general, these are general statements that I'm making, in general, midwives can help with those VBACs sometimes more than an OB can. And so vaginal births as opposed to cesarean section births, um, there's a big cost difference between the two because one is a surgery and one is um, just pushing a baby out just pushing the baby out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So um, I'm, I'm actively doing things to try to reduce our bill, but also to reduce my recovery time because um, time is money. And so if I have a, another C-section, I had a C-section with my first, um, you know, that's additional trips through the drive-through for dinner. That's, you know, there's, there's other costs associated with me coming through a C-section recovery again with a big family, mm-hmm. as opposed to if I can successfully do a VBAC, which is the goal, uh, my recovery time is much quicker 
And yeah. so, you know, it's just, you just kind of, yeah. there. it's so much, the question is so much bigger than, is it cheaper with a midwife or OB or yeah. is it cheaper to have a back or a C-section? It's that there's so much more that just goes into that decision. And I really think that's a, a question that um, individual couples need to discuss together and with their doctor, how they, what, how they feel they best want to handle that and what their best options are. Okay, so we have two more little sections of the podcast that we like to do. And the first is a section we like to call ka-chings and wah-wahs. So we'd love to hear something from your life that has been like a major ka-ching moment in raising your kids and something that's been kind of a eh, wah-wah. Okay, well, um, I have to go back to the consignment sales again. Please. So something I did when my kids were really little is I would trace their feet on cardstock and then go to a consignment sale to buy shoes. And so I would buy their current size and then the next two sizes up by holding the shoe up to their, uh, the cardstock trace. So smart. Because nobody wants to take their like two-year-old quadruplets to a consignment sale. Like, <laughs> no. So um, I would do that. And I found shoes because kids grow so fast at those really young ages. I found shoes in like new condition for as cheap as $2 a pair. Wow. And so I would buy that. We'd have like semi-annual consignment sales. I would buy those shoes and put them in a box in my garage. So when I needed to go, you know, quote unquote shopping for shoes, I would check my box and use my two to $5 a pair, um, almost brand new shoes instead of having to go out and spend 20 or $30 on a pair. And I, and I have so many stories like that from consignment sales, like trikes for 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. You know, my kids get those for Christmas and they're thrilled. And yeah. so, but I love, I love the shoe trick. It's actually showed up, um, on a lot of those viral posts, like 20 ways to save money. Mom oh, yes. hacks like the Huffington Post will put out and stuff like that. They've picked that up um, okay. and put that on there. So it's kind of cool to see other moms adopting that yeah. and saving money and time and some stress taking their kids to consignment sales. Yeah. And that so cardboard smart. cutout, that's like genius because it's so a lot genius. easier to just hold a piece of cardboard up than to try and get kids to like try on the shoe. Absolutely. And then, you know. Oh, that's great. So my, my want, want, if you want that, this is like yeah. totally embarrassing, but the first, <laughs> the first year we were married, this has nothing to do with kids. The okay. first year we were married, we bought um, a, a, a new mattress because yeah. my husband's mattress was old and um, I, I was uncomfortable sleeping on it. So we bought a new mattress the first year we were married. And I, I try to remember how much we paid for this mattress. I think we paid like $3,000 for this mattress. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because the sales guy told us that it had a 30-year warranty. And so we were like, 30-year warranty? Man, what a great deal. We were so young and gullible and stupid. Oh, no. So um, maybe it was like 2000 but it was, it was a really expensive mattress. So we bought this thing, right? Here we are, you know, 10 or 11 years later with the same mattress. And let me tell you, mattresses do not last 30 years. I don't care no. what they tell you, they do not last 30 years. So we were, we were totally taken hook, line and sinker on that one. It was such a dumb purchase, but it was, you know, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have any context on mattress buying. Oh. So that was a, that was a really dumb purchase we made. And a mattress hard. is so important. So you're like, you want to invest the good money in it, but it's like, yeah. Well, it was Maybe great for like for the first eight years. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so great. So in our last segment, we always do a do it or don't like something that, that the listeners can try themselves at home if they want to. So 
Rebecca, do you have a practical tip to share with our listeners? You know, I do. Let me tell you what my favorite product is to have in my home to save money. Um, Because I'm always looking for ways to save as much money as I can because my kids eat so much food. So I got to cut from something. (laughs) Um, So I love the Young Living Thieves household cleaner. It is something that I use to clean every surface in my home. It cleans all the stuff, like including granite countertops and hardwood floors and toilets. Those, I mean, yeah, toys. Yes, it cleans everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it cleans all those basic household germs. It's safe if your kids lick it. And when we first started using it, my kids were three and still licked everything. Mm-hmm. We're thankfully past that point, but I'm giving birth to a new uh, licker of everything here in September. <laughs> Yes. So um, the Thieves Household Cleaner is to concentrate. You dilute it. Um, and it's like a $1.50 a bottle when you dilute it. And you can't oh, wow. go to like anywhere and get a cleaner that's either full of harsh chemicals and toxins or not. Yes. You can't go anywhere and get something that cheap. Like it right. is literally so cheap. It just yeah. doesn't make sense not to use it. So, um, you know, it's safe, um, safe for kids. It's non-toxic. It smells and great. It mm-hmm. smells like Christmas. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And so it's, it's really, it's truly one of my best, um, money saving tips ever because it cleans all the things and it's just so inexpensive and it's safe. So that is definitely my, my best practical tip. Get a yes. follow that. It's good stuff. Good tip. Yeah. I love it. Great tip. We should probably say thank you, Rebecca, for joining us. Yes, thank you so, so much fun. for having me on. This has been so much fun. You guys are so great. Oh, well, we love that you took the time to do this because you are one busy lady, but yes, good to so chat much. with you and good to catch up with you. Yeah, so it's great. been too long. Yes. Okay, so we have asked Rebecca a lot of questions, but we want to hear from you guys. If you have any questions for Rebecca, you can contact us. You can email us at frugaliciouspod at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the website for the show notes, or you can send us a message on social media at Facebook or Instagram at Pod, And we will definitely make sure to reach out to Rebecca and ask her all the questions that you guys have. Yes, all the questions. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll be back soon with some more awesome content for you about how to live a frugally fabulous life. Be frugal, be fabulous, and let's talk soon. Bye. <laughs> Don't bind to the FOMO. We spend money like slow-mo. But we ain't broke, no. Cause every penny makes sense. Can I get an amen? amen. Get out of debt. It's where the money's at. And where the money's <laughs> at. We do the budget dance. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Fruitlicious. Our music is by Atoria. Special thanks to Rebecca for taking the time to share with us. And also special thanks to our parents for raising four kids with such love and amazing frugal hacks. Thanks, Thanks, Mom. Mom. Thanks, Dad. You can subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on new episodes. Of course, we'd love it if you'd rate or review us to let us know what you think. And we'd also love to hear what you would like to hear on future episodes. Together, let's make the world a more frugalicious place. I, yes. I distinctly remember one day I was walking through Walmart because I used to go grocery shopping on Saturday mornings at Walmart because Sean was home and I couldn't take the kids out because they were medically fragile. And I was walking through Walmart shopping. It was like 630 in the morning. And this lady, like never seen her before in my entire life, comes up to me in the bread aisle and she goes, you Rebecca Isham? And I said, <laughs> yes. And I mean, like, keep in mind, I had like rolled out of bed, had no makeup on, didn't shower. Like, yeah. Are you wearing your slippers at this point? That's I was I'm like a hot mess express, right? And so I was like, yes. And I'm thinking, 
who is this woman? <laughs> and she goes, I just have to tell you, I read your blog and I, and she like knew all this stuff about me. And then she goes, can I give you a hug? Aww.